What's going on, guys, and welcome back. What are the most important cards, combos, and decks to play with Hitmonkey this season? We're talking buffs on this episode. We have cards that absolutely need to receive a buff. We're going to break those down. And we're talking the most anticipated cards that have not been released, our top 10 cards that are leaked in Marvel Snap. We're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of the Snapchat. And as always, I am joined by Mr. Alex, and his last name is Kocha. I do know how to say it, all right? I just like Mr. Alex. How you doing, buddy? Happy April. Happy new season of Marvel Snap. I'm doing fantastic, and I am so excited for today's episode. We finally have a little bit of a shakeup in the meta. Hitmonkey is a great card. It is bringing new life into some of these archetypes we have not seen relevant in some time. I can't wait to discuss everything we got to talk about today. Yeah, man, I love it. It's like opening day for sports. I love when there's a new rank season. Like, I love going on the ladder. I've been itching. It's not, I lose some of my motivation when I get all the way up and I'm at like 110. I could care less. I just want to have fun then, right? I love, I just love rank climbing. It's so much fun for me to test out new decks. And Hitmonkey, you're right, man, really good and offers a lot of different decks and styles and different theory crafting out there. So definitely pretty damn fun. And we've got some good subjects to talk about today in total in the podcast. Alex, what are we talking about on your side of the channel? Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about on my side of the channel is we're going to be talking about the season pass due to quick review. We're going to be talking about whether or not it needs a bit of a shakeup. Give some ideas on how we can shake up the season pass, make it a little spicier, a little more engaging. We're also going to talk about the decks to play this season. It's not just about Hitmonkey. We're going to talk about Hitmonkey, but there's a lot of other decks that are on the rise. And we're also going to talk about the hot and rising cards of the month. With Hitmonkey coming out, there's a lot of cards that are really having a shakeup on the meta. They're really having a high impact, and we're going to talk about those cards on our side. Absolutely, man. We had some pretty big things happen in the last week in general. And Snap, before we hop into the subjects and our card of the week, uh, first of all, Kitty went down. We have a Kitty down, man. Kitty Pride got pulled from, sadly, the game. And you know, Alex, I think it's cool that they can do this. See, you know, Overwatch, some of these other games I play, they do this. It has been a little bit of a long time. I thought it was going to be a bit quicker. Man, but I miss Kitty. She was so much fun. What, what are your quick thoughts about that? So I was fortunate enough to be able to get Kitty Pride literally the moment it was released. It was like the first thing in my shop on the rollover. I bought it right away. I played with it right away. It was so much fun. Like, honestly, this card was an absolute blast to play. It was interactive in a way that was unique. It was legitimately a good time. It was powerful it felt great but it also crashed the game it also didn't work with collector it also did all the things that are being reported as being problematic it had to get pulled out because if i'm playing a, a ranked match and we're going to eight cubes and my opponent disconnects that's not fair for anybody involved i tell you she scares me man because we already know monkey bounce is so good and i like what she was doing for bounce was awesome and just wait until we get our hands of hit monkey kitty together the whole animal squad animals a symbol it's gonna be pretty dang nutty and uh it, it is sad but she she shall come back hopefully uh outside of that we didn't have too many crazy things we had the uh the the, the frog bundle come out right that was very expensive uh don't recommend most people getting that one i i, I got it because you know I, I i like the animal ones i did get it uh but outside of that was there anything else that happened this week Cozy, we're all getting a brand new pixel variant for free. I mean, a mystery variant. And it's going to be coming in the inbox due to a minor glitch with the way the season pass works. We have one that's locked behind a paywall that was not intended to be. So the development team has stated that everyone is going to be getting a variant in their inbox for free. Yeah, I'm glad they're doing that. It was sad to see the mistake, but at least I'm glad they're rectifying that. And uh, I don't know, but I love mystery variants. Like they just, it's I like, too. I know it's like Vegas. Like you go there, you know, you're going to lose, you know it, yeah, but you're you like, know. the fun is just playing it. And I'm like, come on, you know, 
I, I hope I get something game-changing, something that's really going to make me uh, just stand out on the Marvel snapboards, and then this beauty comes out, and I end up with an angel uh, pixel that never sees the light of day. All right, so, uh, Alex, let's go ahead and go to the card of the week, and I tried to pick one that was a little bit on flavor with what's going on. A lot of players don't have access, kind of judging if they should get it before she drops down, and that's going to be Bast. I want to know from you... What are your thoughts on Bass? First, give me like a 1 through 10 rating or maybe S tier through F tier. Like, where do you put Bass? I think it's like an 8 out of 10, maybe an A tier. I, see, now you're confusing me. One tier. How do we do these That's tier lists? Everyone's doing they, different. They all line up. <laughs> yeah, so an 8 out of 10, right? It's a good 8 out of 10. And the one thing I will say is that a lot of people sleep on this card. Anytime I include it in the deck, they're like, do I really need Bass? It feels like a lot of people think this is a card that you can like easily replace. But once you get Bass and you experiment with it and you play with it, you realize just how much it contributes to some cards you just don't see played. You notice just how powerful its interactions are. It naturally has the disadvantage of really being one of drawn on one. Like you don't want to play this on turn five, obviously. Yep. But when you have it on turn one, it's a near snap condition if you've designed your deck appropriately. For sure. And like the deck design isn't even that crazy, guys. All you have to do is sort by power and you can just come here and you can see really uh, my kind of zone for Bast is four power and down. At four power, they have to be offering me a good ability like Sarah to really make the difference. But even if you have like a two go to a three, it doesn't matter as long as they're helping what you're trying to do right uh, within the game. Uh, and then you look at these zero cost, man, or even like Wolfsbane that gets a massive value. Wasp becomes a free three play, right? Some of these get nutty with Bass and, and it's turned to, it kind of got overshadowed with She-Hulk and it came out in the bunches of cards and definitely wasn't worth that. The big token price that it once was, but you could also argue it could have been because of how many decks it does impact uh, as long as you kind of make your deck around it. Now, uh, you know, I think people don't know, and, and they should by now, Luke Cage can prevent you from having your Magneto go from a 12 to a 3. It's a little gambling with me, right? Because if you don't get Luke Cage, you're kind of just stuck, right? I think you can maybe sneak in a card here or there. But definitely, I think Bast is going to be everywhere. Now that Hitmonkey, who is our first subject, is going to really combine well. Now, before we get to Hitmonkey, give me a couple Bast cards that are your like, MVPs. And I'll let you talk about them all. I just want to say my favorite. It's got to be Iron Man, dude. Iron Man is 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 a game changer with Vast. Yeah, Vast Iron Man is ridiculous. It's absolutely incredible. And what I will say, I'll follow that up. Vast on Mystique and Cerebro. It's insane. You're playing. Imagine playing Vast, Cerebro three, and Cerebro and Mystique are both threes as well. It's a beautiful thing. And I got to shout out for one more card. A card that I try and force into every Vast deck, even if it lowers my win rate. I just want to play it. It's out of Morlock. When Adam Warlock's Ooh. a 2 3, it's like one of the best cards in the game. Card draw is, is just so good. I've been playing a lot of Adam. A lot of people agreed with our. He was underrated. We talked about that last week, and I'm glad to see him come out more. Helps you with those card combos. The, the thing, and we'll talk about this with Hitmonkey. The thing with Bass, though, is I feel like you need to start including a lot of cards when you put her in the deck. For example, having the swing of a five point swing with Hood. And then you get the demon. So it's 11, dude, 11 power for just two cost is so mind-numbingly crazy. So this is another card that if I have Bass, it's like, I gotta have the hood. Uh, just a fun flavored card in general, man. And, and again, we're going to see a lot because we have Hitmonkey and we're going to talk about the best cards, combos, and decks, and Bass obviously being one of the best cards. I've got to say, this is probably... The most fun I've had since Zabu, as far as the season pass goes, uh, for sure, uh, Zabu. And mainly from like a deck building standpoint, I feel like it's kind of endless. People 
are putting him in Sarah Miracle and Beast the most, which we'll talk about because it's the most obvious. But man, he is more versatile than I thought. Absolutely. And I think that the fact that he's non-reveal opens up a lot of different things as well. I'm seeing him being played with Invisible Woman, which I think is really yeah. cool. Uh, the way that combination works. It's a really cool card and it feels like not overpowered, but strong enough that it's relevant and it's winnable and it's playable and it fits into decks that aren't like I'm seeing Falcon now every once in a while. Who the hell expected to see Falcon, right? So like, this is a good thing. We want cards to like, like just kind of like resurrect some of these other cards that we're not seeing very often. I think that monkey's doing that. Yeah, and what's great is he can't. He comes with a counter, right? So like Zobber, man, it was like it was thoughtless, brainless. You could just plop that guy down and be good to go. Uh, Hit monkey comes with a counter. You do have to put a good amount of thinking to him. I love that you can play him in any order. That feels great for sure. The fact that you can just put your cards down, kind of how you how you feel. That is you know decently nice against arrow. And then there's just decks that can completely oppress the flooding decks, which I think is important as well. And uh, I know we'll talk about it on your side. I'm having pretty good success against Shuri as well. Uh, he could he could do a lot of damage. I mean, you still have to do the right things and make it happen, but really strong stuff. I need you to tell me right now, without thinking really, favorite hit monkey deck, go. My favorite has to be Bounce, but I'm going to give a special shout out to the Devil Dinosaur variant of uh, Hitmonkey as well, which I think is doing absolute work. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love that you said Devil Dinosaur. I actually have a little bit of a Devil Spearminting deck here. With the decks myself, yeah, I think naturally Bounce is, is, is feeling pretty dang good, obviously. I think, though, Miracle is probably my favorite of, of the bunch. I think just having the access with Sarah to counter what your opponent's doing and put out the big power at the same time is kind of crazy. And it's working really well, right? Even against the bounce counterpart, if someone's playing Hit Monkey, you have Killmonger and you're just going to wipe out the demon. You just make sure they have that priority first, right? So I like it in that matchup. Um, I think bounce does probably a little bit better in overall matchups currently. Uh, but dude, the Miracle decks are slapping. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. And the uh, thing that I was doing on the initial launch was I actually put it into like Darkhawk, Sarah, and uh, like, you know, Rocks and Hawks, you know, I'm pretty sure you're well aware of that deck. And I made a couple of adjustments to kind of, you know, maximize the opportunity to play Darkhawk, uh, not Darkhawk, sorry, to play uh, Hitmonkey. And one thing I'll tell you, and I was saying this to my chat during on while I was Twitch streaming, I was saying, guys, listen, if Hitmonkey's a 2-6, a 2-8, it's a win. Lizard's a 2-5, and we consider it one of the best cards in the game. Yeah. If it's a 2-6, it's done its job. We don't need we don't need a, like a 2-22. We don't need that. If it's 2-8, it's done its job and allow the rest of the deck to work. So like, yeah, we have this fascination with running up massive hit monkeys. Yes. Yeah, don't get, don't get me wrong. I love it too. But if it's a 2-6, it's better than Lizard, isn't it? Oh, 100%. That's the biggest mistake I'm seeing in, in my recent Sarah guide. I was saying that. I was like, hey, guys, if the opportunity is there and if you look at everything that's around, let's say you have Shang-Chi and they have a big card and Shuri and you know you're going to have to use that well, you're going to be pretty limited on turn six anyway. Don't save it for the last turn. If you just throw out the Hidden Monkey Mysterio, it's two six, like you said. Instant value, and then you get the four as well, so you're having 10 power uh, very easily. Obviously, Bass and stuff changes that up. Uh, so without question, just a good value card, which is why I think it's amongst one of the better two drops at the moment. Uh, probably definitely top three, in my opinion. I think Lizard might... You know, obviously, he needs less to go with him, and there's other kind of things that... You know, we could look at Daredevil, Beast, all these kind of crazy things. But Hit Monkey is a very, very good two drop that is a, a lot more versatile than I once thought. Now, Alex, uh, we'll talk about like the best card combos. I think this is a nice way to kind of lean into that. 
Dude, let's talk about Mysterio because this card has everything I love. It's mind games. It's flooding the board and building up the hit monkey. And you can also use its illusions way more than just one way, right? There's so many things that you can do with these illusions. Dude, I love Mysterio. He's, in, he's, he's awesome that he can be in, a, in competitive decks now. I mean, I feel like it's once a month you get emotional talking about Mysterio at this point. Like, I, it's well established that you love the card. And it's like, I think you're right. And I kind of slept on Mysterio at first. And uh, when it got nerfed originally from a 2.5 to a 2.4, I was like, really? Who actually cared that much about Mysterio? And then, like, I really, okay, we got to give the development team credit there. They were ahead of the curve on Mysterio because this card is so good. Imagine it was a 2.5 right now. <laughs> like, it would be insane, right? Yeah. This is a damn good card. And uh, you're right. It The way it interacts with, like, the board is pretty cool, too. Like, each card is played. So, like, it procs Angela no matter where it's played. Like, you don't have to play your four on Angela. It'll just proc Angela even with an illusion. Um, obviously, the Bass interaction, which almost feels like a bug, honestly. Like, I don't understand how that works. You play Bass. It goes to a 2-3, but all the illusions get 3, so it's actually a 2-9. That doesn't seem right at all, uh, but I'll <laughs> leave it, I guess. But this card's incredible, and it has very natural synergy with Hitmonkey and with Bishop, who also has synergy with Hitmonkey. So that's like almost the one complaint I have about the deck, right? Is sometimes it's like when you're making a move deck, and you're like, well, I've got this card, so I, I have to have this card. Like, when you make a Hitmonkey deck, you're like, it's a 12 card deck and you're like not really because if you have hit monkey you should have mysterio if you have mysterio you should have bishop and you might as well throw angela in there right so at that yeah. point you're you're working off so much less deck space than you think uh but yes very 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 solid card combo uh, we already talked about bass that's clearly in there uh, i gotta tell you i'm experimenting i've got a deck guide i'm about to release on it i also think that patriot is going to have a pretty nice space with hit monkey now it's going to be a bit weird i think it's going to take some flushing out if you will but the Mysterio alone, the fact that you can now have Bast, which is going to put three on the illusions, and then you can, oh, give another two to those illusions. You got a Doctor Doom, right? There's your Doctor Doom already with, with how he's going to work, and then he's going to charge up Bishop. He's going to charge up, obviously, Hitmonkey with the Mysterios as well. So I do like Patriot. I think it does have a home. But in general, dude, I just think it's cards that don't really just synergize with this. It's cards that synergize with Bast. And it's cards that synergize with Mysterio. It's like the three of them. You got to look at those three and, and it's probably going to make a good deck out of it. Absolutely. And there's no reason not to believe that a, a, like a fantastic Mr. Negative deck is not on the horizon as well. Anytime you got that zero power, right? Mr. Negative loves that. And obviously those miracle turns on turn six and seven can be absolutely wild for something like Hitmonkey. It's just so funny how Mr. Negative is. It's got to be probably like him and Ebony Maw are probably the two cards that you either love them or you just cannot wrap your head around why people would play the deck or the card. Like, that's just, they have that enigma around them. And I kind of go back and forth on negative. There's times I like them and there's times I'm like, I would rather know my straightforward path to success. You're kind of the same with negative, yeah? Yeah, I'm not a big negative guy. I just, with Zabu, I almost feel a little better. Like we have that second condition to get him up. But you know me, I'm going to draw negative on turn seven and just cry. Like I'm just going to cry my hands. Like it never works. And it's crazy. But when it does work, it's eight cubes. It's eight cubes every time. That's the thing. It's oh, it's super, especially with Hitmonkey, because you for once have this card now that synergizes A with Bast, but also you're getting all these free cards, right? You're getting these Arnim Zolas. You're getting all these things for zero cost. Oh, and then guess what? You play your Hitmonkey, and if you do it right, you can also do the Hitmonkey and then Arnim Zola the Hitmonkey, and it's crazy. There's a lot of really cool potential. I think the burst potential got bigger with Mr. Negative now, and then you can do even some more silly stuff with Jane Foster and, and just craziness here. 
Uh, but yeah, I think there is a like a tier three tier two uh, dependable negative deck that will start coming out of the woodworks a bit more. I saw Galactus in there as well. So uh, good stuff overall. In short, man, I think that we've got ourselves a banger of a season pass card. I think the decks are just getting started. I think the combos are just getting started. And there's a lot more to be solved about our newest card, bud. No kidding. And I really like the design of it, honestly. Like I kind of alluded to prior, I think it fits like the perfect profile of a season pass card where like it basically is a legitimate card that adds versatility to specific archetypes. It's playable. It's going to win you games, but it's not overpowered. Like we're not on Zabu level scale. We're not on Silver Surfer level scale, but it's damn good. It's all, I, actually, it's close to Silver Surfer, maybe. But it's not what Zabu was, and it's definitely better than Nimrod. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's fitting yeah. that role really nicely for a season pass card. Yeah, I agree. It's I don't know why Nimrod. I just wasn't like, I, it was fun. I just wasn't crazy. And I think it's because Destroy already felt good. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just keep on doing the Destroy thing, right? And as a consecrator too, I try to focus on uh, cheaper decks. And so I didn't play a lot of Galactus. And, and even now, I could have done the Darkhawk deck. That was my first one. But I tried to do a pool three only Sarah deck. And I got to tell you, dude, the stats were crazy. They blew my mind. And it really comes down to this. I think Sarah Control, Sarah Miracle, whatever you want to call it, it's it's going to perform pretty consistently, Alex, on, on a regular basis. It comes down to how well you pilot the deck. The deck can either suck, and so if you look at the stats, they're not going to be good, or it's going to be crazy. Here are the stats from the most recent one that I played. All pull three cards, nothing too crazy here. But then, you know, it, I, I pulled a 70% win rate, which is just bonkers. And the general public even doing a 57 at the moment, only 800 games, Alex. But this is what I'm talking about. It's cool to see competitive pool three decks as well, even though I'm starting to see some of our viewer base start to get out of pool three a little bit. It's nice to see people are starting to get those full collections a bit more, if you will. So overall, guys, we're probably going to be talking about Hitmonkey a lot over the month to come. There'll probably be a lot that comes out. I do expect it to be a tier one deck, though, in some form or fashion. No kidding. And the nice thing about it as well is there's very clear counterplay. It doesn't feel unfair. If you feel like Hitmonkey's all over the place, you play Sandman, right? Like it's that yeah. simple. You have counterplay towards the style of deck. And so it feels fair in that sense. And I, I love the card. I can't say anything more. Dude, so that <laughs> Sandman does counter Hitmonkey. What I love about that Sarah deck I just showed you is the Enchantress. You, the best feeling is when they play Sandman on five and you use your one card on Enchantress to get rid of the Sandman and then you're back in with the monkey. The monkey's back online. Like it's so nasty. But yeah, Sandman, definitely really good counter. Wave five, already very strong, naturally also counters Hitmonkey. Uh, so, so good stuff there. And now it's about uh, playing Hitmonkey when you anticipate these things to come, right? If you see Electro and it's and it's going into turn four, drop the low, drop your Mysterio, drop your Hitmonkey uh, without question. All right, now with that, Alex, let's go to our next subject, and that is our buff wish list. We're not even going to talk about the nerfs, okay? Enough nerfs right now. I want to see some buffs, and they have addressed it. You know, we talked about it on the devs Q&A. They have something special for how they are going to do buffs in Marvel Snap. Hopefully, it's all at once. And it's going to kind of feel like a new car drop season, right? I don't know about you, but whenever they released like the, the She-Hulk bunch, it was so cool because there were so many different things to play with. And if that's what they do with buffs, you know, color me excited. So I have a list. I did a season pass video and I asked a question, what card needs to be buffed the most? And there's about a thousand responses and there's about the same offenders on all the comments. And so I put it together as the ones that are definitely need to be buffs and then the maybe should be buffed section right so we're going to start with the maybes some of these could bleed in alex you know uh but let's go ahead and, and, and talk about our options here we start 
with the maybes. And we've talked about a lot of these before here on the channel. And I think there's good stances behind some of these. Some are obvious, some not so much. This list isn't as sexy, in my opinion, than the we need to buff these. For the audio listeners, we have Nick Fury, we have Magic, Human Torch, Agatha, Kingpin, Watu, Drax, and Electro. Now remember, these were from the comment section on how they got placed. But go ahead and pick one card out of here to kind of uh, open the floor with. How the hell is Uwatu a maybe? That's what I want to know. I, that's what I, that's my opening comment. Believe it or not, very few Watu comments. In a thousand comments, very few said what? Watu. I think we've just all accepted that we hate him. Like he's just dumpster. Like there's I don't hate him. Speak for yourself. I love Uwatu. Alex, you haven't talked about him since week like four in the Snapchat. Let's be honest. That's because every time I talk about him, I take emotional damage with your negativity. Yeah, well, uh, I, I don't know what to say. He begs it. He calls it to himself, man. Look at that. Look at that cue ball over there. What a what a what a what a variant too. He just looks he even like got a, nerfed with this location changes. Now they cut the locations out of the feature locations from 48 to 24 hours. The Watu's even more worse. Uh, he went from F2 to delete me from Marvel Snap. He makes he makes him <laughs> Baku look like, I don't know, Sarah. Um, but yeah, so Watu could go up on the on the higher list, uh, obviously. And and I I don't have a good answer for how to do Watu. I think we've come up with a few, but I they just don't all feel right. You know, Kingpin is a good maybe candidate. Uh, sometimes he's great, sometimes not really. Uh, Magic, same thing. We've talked about her going to a four cost, right? I think uh, definitely she can be one that a lot of people actually did talk about Magic uh, just a tad. You have small power adjustments with Agatha, Nick Fury. Not a lot there. But Alex, I want to talk about Human Torch because I feel like Human Torch, they just have a plan for it. I feel like they know that move is going to be pretty strong somewhat in the future and that it needs to have that Killmonger kind of counter at the moment. What what do you think about the Torch? So Human Torch is a really strange card because obviously it's like a core like combo piece, right? Like it's kind of like the Deadpool of move to some extent, except Deadpool likes getting Killmonger. So that's kind of the problem, right? You're, you're running this Human Torch and it, it feels very risky. It's also worth noting that Killmonger does not have to operate in the lane where Human Torch is. So you can't protect it with a... Cosmo, you have to protect it with an armor, but if you're protecting with an armor, you know, it's moving. So you can't, the armor's not moving, right? So yeah. it can be very difficult to protect, which might be part of the problem, but it's also a lot harder to move than it would be to destroy a Deadpool. So it's a really strange card, but maybe we're just trying to play it the wrong way. Maybe it is meant to just be a card as a one drop that gets moved once or twice. It's not meant to be the core piece of the deck, but um, it has dodged buffs over and over again. But then again, like we would have talked about a month ago how you know, uh, Bounce needed something, and here, here's Hitmonkey, right? So maybe there's something coming down the line that they know about that we don't. Well, we're going to see a couple of cards in the most anticipated there. Of course, we have some move options in there that we'll talk about, and I think that's what it is. I think that if you have too many move enable cards, that you could get this guy just skyrocketed, right? With not so much effort. Uh, like, we might one day see a Sarah deck that on turn six, you, you play all these move things and you have Human Torch in there. Luckily, you know, move cards do have to have, like, typically a turn or two to get things flowing with it. Uh, but we'll have to see their plan. I just feel like he's one that has a plan. You could put him in the yes section for me, uh, no question, but just one in particular. Uh, Drax, some of these other ones were more just like, they're not played still. They're at the lowest played in the season. I just pulled up the stats. Electra, that was kind of with the knob conversa conversation. I, I feel like, again... I would love for her to get buffed. I just, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if that's even on their radar, right? And it very well could be. Uh, and, and truth be told, I ran out of space on the other graphic, okay? So I did, uh, I popped a couple of these in there. Let's go to the yes, though, man. And here you go. You've got the, I'll send it out here. You've got the yes, this is obvious. These all probably 
need a buff. Star-Lord probably could have gone on the other list and we could have pulled one up here. Uh, we could have a conversation probably about every single one of these, in my opinion. Which one do you want to start with, though? What we'll do is we'll start by reading it out for the audio viewers. Uh, you know, Star-Lord, Colossus, Hawkeye, Strong Guy. We have Crystal, Angel, Medusa, The Punisher, and finally Orca. And I'm going to start with Orca because I actually played Orca last night and Orca's horrible. <laughs> like, I will tell you that Orca took everyone by surprise, but when you're leaving a lane totally open, 14 power still feels like a risk, especially when you consider the prevalence of Doctor Doom adding five to every single lane on a turn six play. So Orca feels like it's not worth playing, where like Namor, for instance, feels like it could be worth playing. But oh, Orca, no. not really. Yeah, Orca is just, yeah, the only surprise factor is people are surprised that you're playing him. Like, that, that, that's about it. Uh, he, I, I feel like they could give him tremendous stats, and he still would be kind of where he's at. Orca's just such a funky card that doesn't really, or I don't see him ever having a home until they do something significant. If you're only playing one card that can also be countered significantly, like, give that man, like, some big power. Give him something to make it worth getting him even a slot, even a chance in your deck. Now, I have seen a lot of feedback more than lately on Punisher needing a buff. Uh, Punisher is just one of those cards that I, truthfully, he's in my bottom five, probably. And I'm talking about, I even play like unplayed cards sometimes that kind of, you know, kick the tires on him. Not Punisher. I, there's just no reason for me to play Punisher. I just don't feel good about it. There's no point in playing Punisher. Ever. If you're going to play Punisher, play uh, Captain America. It makes no sense because with Captain America, you have the agency on how you control the power. With Punisher, you're banking on your opponent controlling your power and with no benefit though. With no benefit. If So basically, you have Punisher, you have Captain America, and you have Mr. Fantastic. There's three sixes in ideal cir circumstances, right? Punisher, because it's in the hands of the opponent, I feel should be a 3-3 three, three that can get to 3-7. It makes no sense he's not a 3-3. Three, three. I just don't understand why he's not, right? Especially because Captain is one and you get to control Captain, right? So like, it's just a weird, it's a weird thing going on there. He feels like the Ronin compared to Devil Dinosaur, but even worse off, in my opinion, because there's uh, really nothing to enable that. So definitely just a card that needs a lot of love. I, I wish they would increase his cost. They're not going to because of the Captain America thing they're trying to do. But I would love for him to be like more expensive with a bigger payoff on on like, you know, his his ongoing line down there, maybe plus two. I don't know. More expensive, though, is, is how I see it. But yeah, three, three is also uh, something that could be considered. I was going to just about to say that, like, why wouldn't you make public, you know, Punisher? I haven't done the math in my head, but make it the reverse of Red Skull. Make it a five for whatever. And for every unit, the opposing team has in their lane, you get an additional plus one yeah. and make it so that he can be a five. 13 <laughs> like have them start at whatever it is whatever the math is on you know that and make them get up to 5 13 if the event they actually fill the location make them the reverse red skull that could be an interesting idea they could do it uh, they for a while whenever they released the uh, the game right they had all the avengers and you had like you had hawkeye as your one that's why he was a one cost two was black widow and then you had three as captain america four was supposed to be thor right but thor he got put down to a three because it felt a lot better. And they said, screw the whole thing we're trying to do there. So I hope they do the same thing here that they're just like, it's cute. We're trying to do it. It doesn't matter. Let's just change them and make up a card that's somewhat usable. Now, our next card to talk about, uh, we'll kind of breeze past Medusa. It really, Medusa just needs a little bit of power. It's just a weird card or, or in general. I don't mind the whole middle interaction, but just it needs a little bit of love. But Angel, surprisingly Angel, Alex, was the number one card that was commented on the video with a thousand comments. Are you surprised? 
No, Angel's absolute unmitigated filth. Like, it is so bad. It is just disgusting. The fact that I've tried to play Angel, like, recently, it's basically the Quicksilver card. Like, it's it's better than Quicksilver. It's starting in your hand. Like, honestly, it starts in your hand every... 60% of the time, it's in your hand every time. And it's so, so sad. So bad that you don't even want to put him in meme decks, right? It's like, where am I going to get the use out of this guy? And for being so iconic... In, I would say in just Marvel, I think he's a he's a really cool character. It's it's a travesty. It's a travesty. I, I get what they tried to do. Um, I just think they missed the mark heavily. And if they could, again, raise the cost. I don't really care. Figure it out where if you destroy a card, have him go on the, on the, the location that was destroyed. That's fine. You just need to add either a clause in there or you need to add some power or cost, whatever it might be. I, I don't even have a great solution uh, to Angel, curious on what people's thoughts are about that, but do you have anything that comes to your mind? I mean, my first initial thought would like make it so like it's like Chavez, it can't be drawn, but then is it too strong? Because it's basically you know, you thinner. can guarantee yeah. destroy it, right? Like it's so easy to destroy something, right? So it's effectively Chavez going onto the board because it thins your deck, right? But it's not a consistent turn six play, which Chavez is, which can be an advantage at times. So like, I mean, that's the easy thing, but you wouldn't want it as like a one, one, cause then there's no point in actually coming out of the board. Cause what do you want a one, one? You want a, you know, a Raptor on the board, which is basically what it is. So like, yeah, it's a little tricky, isn't it? What if he saved a card, right? So hear me out. What if he saved a card from being destroyed? So whether that was from your opponent, now the Shang-Chi thing, I don't know. That's probably too strong, but if he saved a card, it could kind of be cool. I don't know about you, but every now and then, like when you death lock a lane or you carnage it, cause there's some other cards there and you're like, man, that was on X mansion. I wish I could keep that that uh, the thing or whatever that's on that. What if Angel could save one of those cards from being destroyed? I, I don't know. That's kind of interesting. That's an amazing idea. What if it's in your hand? If a card gets destroyed, it flies out of your hand and gets destroyed instead. So imagine like you have like a like a monster from Monster Island, right? And it's sitting there and the, and the person Shang-Chi's it. As Shang-Chi punches, Angel comes flying out of your hand. Not your deck. It has to be in your hand. Yep. It flies out of your hand and just like takes it like Mr. a bodyguard. Mr. President. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Yeah. President. <laughs> Just jumps right in front of the bullet. See, funny enough, that just came to my mind right now. It's stuff like that that I, I know what they're doing over there, right? They're not they're not sitting there and second doing like, what do we do with this? I think they're trying to find the right fit. And to talk about like a Wolverine style rework, God, that would be it would make it would make sure yeah, it flies out of your hand. Like it flies. It would make Shuri even better, but we'll talk about Shuri and, 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 and we'll get that fixed up before we have any type of that come out. Because can you imagine you finally get the Shang-Chi on like Red Skull and then he comes yeah, out? But that's a nerf to Shang-Chi, which is what everyone actually kind of wants too. It's a nerf to Shang-Chi. I don't want a nerf on Shang-Chi. I'll be honest. I like him. I think that's he's a hot take. Probably. I mean, he's annoying and because he's in so many decks. I just, I like that you always have to fear Shang-Chi. I think it's an interesting mechanic. I think it, it allows you to... Uh, again, just not have this power game, I, I guess, right? I like these complex decks rather than like look at my big number on the board. And, and maybe, you know, you can nerf them a little bit, but uh, that would be a big nerf. That would definitely, that would definitely be big, but it would also lower armor's play rate a little bit too. So I don't know, could be worth it. Yeah, no, no kidding. It's a pretty interesting thought. I, I love that idea. It's such a fascinating idea and it's kind of like character relevant too. Like I love the flavor of it. From a lore perspective, I think it's a really cool idea, Cozy. Oh, you come pretty... up with your best ideas on the spot. <laughs> on the Snapchat, man. That's where you guys hear it first. Uh, let's pull up the yes list again, and let's talk Crystal. I will say this about Crystal first. She has some of the best variants. Like She has some cool variants in Snap. Now, if you look at Zabu, when he was at his peak meta, right? Guys, 
Crystal was still not played. Nobody played Crystal even when you were supposed to play Crystal. Like, just nobody wanted to play this card. We've been kind of dumping on this card for a very long time, Alex. I just don't know what they do, because here's the thing. I've seen now a lot of comments on how you fix Crystal, because she has a lot of potential. I know you're not one that likes the whole put her, give her a couple locations because you like the idea, you know, the conditionary. I don't think you need the conditionary. I'll be honest. I think that if you're going to play Crystal, like 4-4 four, four is just such a bad uh, value anyway that like, I don't know, maybe that's just the con that comes with her that you just get a reshuffle. The thing is though, card draw in Snap, as we can see with Adam Warlock, is, is so good. It's, it's too good. And so they're very careful, I think, about that. And I think that's why... Crystal has been ignored for so long and why she might even just get a small power increase. I, I think that's the biggest problem with her. So let's talk about the whole dials, right? We talked about that in the past. So, yep. so what are the dials here? Let's play a game. What are the dials? Yeah, you got so the you have power, right? Yep. What would you do with the power? Yeah, I, I mean, increase it or and decrease it depending on what you do with the other dials. Okay. So let's say like, would you increase it to four, six, like a white queen? Yeah. Four, six feels good. Okay. Would you have it draw four cards and stay at four, four? No, it's too good. Too good. So see, now we're finding that balance, right? And you said that you'd rather have it shuffle the deck no matter which location it went into. I actually think that's a nerf. Yeah, no, I, I, you've, I know you've said that take. I just went, well, okay. If it's a four, six, then I don't know if I would want that ability all the time. With the four, four stat line right now, I think I just want to use the ability because there's only a couple cards left in your deck at the end of the game anyway. And so that would help, you know, just increase those chances on like turn four or five. And you would almost always want to use it for that, right? And you don't want the four stat. All I'm saying is as someone who has played way too much crystal because I let Twitch chat design my decks, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be times where you're like, I don't want to shuffle my hand. And I have crystal. It's the only real play I have. I don't want to have my deck shuffled. So you play it on the right or the left. So you can play a temple play on turn four because you have a turn five and a turn six play in your hand already. But what if it's like Maximus, where it's like you just accept the con for the power? Okay, I can see that. But then it would have to be significant power. Like we're talking like well, Typhoid Mary is a 410, mm -hmm. right? Like 410 is kind of like the meet a hard condition, get the power. Crystal doesn't get the 410. Like we'll never see a world where Crystal's 410. So like what, what kind of negative are we talking about? It's going to be interesting. I think there's a lot of dials... And I think Crystal is one that they do have to be careful with because there are, uh, again, because it's only 12 cards in the deck and you only have a few left, you do need to be careful what kind of what dials you do twist and turn and, and whatnot. And it's just crazy to think that there is a world where we might be excited that Crystal's in our decks, man. That's such a backwards, bizarre world for those that watch uh, Seinfeld, bizarre world. I don't know. I just will have to see with her. But let's go to the next card. We can talk about Crystal probably for hours, man. Uh, Strong Guy is the next card. And I think it's funny because Strong Guy had his heyday. It was a very small heyday, but he had his heyday more so in pool one days. And man, the fact that that Modoc came out and I was like, all right, it's going to be his time to shine. And he still didn't just makes it known. And he was one of the more commented cards that do need to get some love or does need to get some love. Yeah. Let's talk about those dials. He gets plus six on an empty hand. He's a four, four. What do you do? So again, the four ten stat line, right? Make condition met. 
get the 410. But this one here is a lot harder. Now, I will tell you that the Strong Guy Pool 1 deck was legit. It mm -hmm. was one of the best, like, straight up. People didn't know what was going on. I'm ranking up decks 100%. And when Modoc came out, I actually had a very decent working Strong Guy list. But the disadvantage was it was just better to play Apocalypse and Dracula. Like, it was just better to play that package. Like, Strong Guy was is never going to be able to play with, with Apocalypse. Like you just said, too, like his biggest competition, Dracula. You're going to play Dracula on four every time over yeah. Strong Guy. So it's, it's, it is a bit weird. You had him come out uh, some in the, like, even Lockjaw discard. You, you kind of saw him every now and then. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I understand. He needs some love. They got to figure out how to do that. Because apparently, a lot of people like Strong Guy, and they do want him to be buffed. Uh, he wouldn't be on my, like, immediate list. But I would say that he should be there. And I put him in obvious just because of the sheer number of comments. Now, Hawkeye. I have played a Hawkeye. I did that like I was hacking a Luga. Hawkeye. I feel like I played him more than I ever have with a bounce deck. Kind of fun. You play him out there. You, 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 you build him up. You put him back. You can put him back out there. And then he actually does have some nice scaling to him. And he's a free card. So I did have some fun with him. But it's Hawkeye. It's the, in fact, he's the only Avenger that's just pure garbage and that just feels so wrong yeah he is awful and i i know what you're talking about like the idea of being able to falcon him beast him and kind of have him maintain that that power he's built up is pretty damn fascinating but at the same time like there's just better cards right there's just better cards but at the same time like i'm not quite sure what you do because if you make it a plus three so he's a one four it's too much it's probably just too much yeah they, they either have to change the cost on this one or they because there's just again there's not dials that you can do with him, in my opinion. I, I, or I, just don't, I just don't see it. I just don't know what dials you can do. Very, very interesting. Maybe, I don't know, they really ramp up the power, but your next two cards have to be... That like, sucks, right? But maybe, I don't know, you have to really commit to a lane. Out of the list here, one of the more iconic... One of the more iconic characters, that, characters and cards that, that is currently just not great. So that leaves just two left, Alex. We have Colossus and Star-Lord. Let's start with Colossus. We have been talking about him for a while. Uh, he used to be one of like your underrated cards. You loved him all the time. Uh, and that was in the, like the Spectrum days when you could really build that up, get some surprise. When is the last time, honestly, that wasn't a meme deck that you put Colossus in a deck? The last time I played Colossus in a deck, I played it in a Destroyer-based deck which basically allows me to play Colossus into a lane, protect the other lane with armor, and then play the Destroyer on top of the Colossus, effectively giving Destroyer additional three power because Colossus survives. Now, the one thing I will say about Colossus is I think two four is probably a good spot for it. However, with the prevalence of like, you know, Destroy-based locations, even a place like Negative Zone, this card does get its value, but it's not as consistent. And I think that one of the things that's probably impacting it is the irrelevance of Spectrum. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you would use it uh, dude, uh, barely at all. I mean, I think a rickety bridge I used it was the last time, like that hot location. That was kind of cool. But the problem with that is, and it kind of just reminded me, is because of Wolverine, good God, I'm going to get demonetized. Because of Wolverine, I just don't, uh, dude, he just does his job almost even better, right? Like, yeah, he doesn't go into the location that you want him to when he gets destroyed, but then he becomes a 2 4, and then he can keep on scaling. So there's more of a reason to play him. I just. Uh, I, I don't want to say for every card. I just feel like Colossus is another candidate, which like, because we're not playing him at two, and two cost is such a competitive uh, cost right now. Man, bump up that cost and bump up that power. And then I probably would start to include him because in Destroyer decks, as you alluded to, uh, sometimes you got like Claw, Iron Man, 
there's like, what, what do you do on those kind of later turns? Well, if Colossus was like a 4-8 that does not, you know, whatever, can't be destroyed, man, sign me up. Sign me up. Or 4-7, whatever. I, I think that's where you actually get the value. So we're pretty much going to wrap up there. Star-Lord, I think Nebula might give him some love. I want to see what we have coming in May before we throw out too big of a buff. I think they know that too. For those that don't know, Nebula, every time an opponent doesn't play a card at the location, Nebula builds up. So in turn, you would think that you could play your, your Guardians at that location and build them up. Uh, and I think Star-Lord, we might, we might see that. Uh, and you can even put Star-Lord in these Miracle decks. I mean, it's not the worst play. You get a 1-5 on the last turn. You're probably going to guess right a lot of the time. So uh, not terrible, but definitely I think I would put it in the optional uh, section that does need a buff. Again, I ordered those kind of how the comments were. And I would probably change some of the ordering myself. But that is going to be our buff wish list. And I really think we're going to see a lot of these come true. I absolutely think we're going to get a wave of buffs. The way they're hinting at it and talking about it, it just screams big to me rather than small buffs. Yeah, and I mean, we've discussed many times before that it seems like the buffs and the nerfs are what shake up the meta more than any season pass or any even like new release is going to do you can have a whole month of new releases i mean it's only four cards but no one's playing those four cards the season pass is the next step up and then it's those buffs and nerfs that really shake things up and that's really what people are craving i think yeah we're going to talk about that on the season pass shakeup. i think that's what needs to be there apparently right now it's tech tech uh, reasons they can't it needs to happen to really shake things up. So Alex, we have our last subject today, and it is going to be the top 10 most anticipated leak cards that are going to be coming to Marvel Snap. Now we're going to be talking about this mainly because, well, uh, you want to save those tokens, right? And a lot of these are right around the corner, and some of these are completely game-changing. Now we've seen these cards, they get altered up to like the month they're released. I think Snowguard got changed at the last second. So do take some of these with a grain of salt. But I took my top 10 cards that I'm most excited to come to the game, Alex. And we're going to go one by one, kind of give our initial impressions and at least one uh, synergy deck that we see the card fitting into. Now, we've got to start out with High Evolutionary. Now, we talked about High Evolutionary on a couple Snapchats ago, so we won't go into grave detail here. But essentially, in a nutshell, High Evolutionary is going to awaken a secret power for all of your non-ability cards. And it has this kind of new minus power feel to the deck. One through ten, it's a ten for me. What do you What do you say? Oh, it's a ten for me. Any card that completely revolutionizes the way you can play, completely creates a whole new archetype. You know, Thanos did this, Galactus did this. It's a whole new style of gameplay. It's ten out of ten because you create an additional way to play Marvel Snap. Yeah, it's like Patriot, right? Like it, that feeling when you unlocked Patriot and you're like, I have a whole new deck, and you do, and it's a four seven. On top of that, like, it's just such a good card. This is easily the no-brainer. 6,000 unlock, full price it to have it early. It's going to be that good. I think it's a very, well, uh, it's that fun. We could start there, right? Uh, so definitely, I think that's one of the more exciting ones. Glad you uh, agree. We'll kind of go through this and one other one faster because we've talked about those coming up. But the next card I have for you, Mr. Alex, is going to be Ghost Spider. Now, hear me out, guys. This is a 2-2 two -two that on reveal... Move the last card you played to the location that Ghost Spider was played. Now, I love that it's on reveal. I love the cheap cost of it. That kind of is crazy to me. Sarah Miracle, Human Torch, Ghost Spider. There's some things you could do here. Move needs some love, and I love that Ghost Spider. Hopefully, it might be like a season pass card. Uh, what do you think? 
I think it's really interesting. And we need more tools for move. We need more tools for Miles Morales. We need more tools for that entire archetype. And I like the idea, as you said, that it's an inexpensive card that can be played as a combo piece in a greater deck. I think it's fantastic. I can't wait to get my hands on it. Yeah, and if you even just like pull up the game and we look at like some move cards that just like get instant value, again, like you just get that vulture for free, uh, pretty much just getting that five power very quickly. Human Torch Dagger, I think, will go up significantly if Ghost Spider is released as a 2-2. And move, man, I know they can't make it too strong, but it is, it's on the way if some of these cards come out. Ghost Spider for me is way up there, like a 9 out of 10, no question. Now, the next card we have on the list is another move card, Alex. And it goes by the name of Blink. Now, this card to me is very interesting and, and one of those cards that I'll target right away because I love the play style. It is a 3-1 for audio listeners. You can move this each turn and when it moves, it gets another power point, right? So it's not going to get out of control. It's a three cost. I foresee this maybe going down in cost or maybe they change it a little bit in the style. Uh, what do you think? It's kind of interesting, huh? It is really interesting. And once you start to get the picture of like, obviously you have uh, ghost spider, you have blink. Suddenly you have all these additional tools, which make a lot of sense, right? If you drop this on three, it's a three, four. Now that's not incredible by any means. However, what's notable here is the interactions it can have with other cards, right? Okay. Which is so important. I think that move is so combo centric that it really does create a situation where like it gives you just additional options. And once again, it's another trigger for Miles Morales, who is honestly a great value card in move. It's like the stature of move. Yeah, I think too. I know that the uh, Hawk for Snow Guard was supposed to be able to be like a mini vision. I think they changed that because I think this is going to come and you can't have too many. Like if you have a Craven just sitting there and every turn you're like, boop, 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 boop. you're just like firing away, right? Moving your cards like crazy. Like you'd have a Craven through the, through the wazoo. And so I, I get why they probably held back, but really strong ability. I think the moving is the biggest thing about it. Uh, not as much the power. That's why the cost is probably a little bit high on Blink. Now, the next card I have up, one through 10. We're going to read the text. I want to hear your thoughts. This one to me seems exciting because of the last season pass card. We have Bullseye. Now, Bullseye is a one, two. On reveal, the next card you draw will be a two cost card if there are any left. What are your thoughts? This to me is like an 8 out of 10. I can see this being a very fascinating card because it's basically like you you force the domino effect on a card of your choice, right? However, you got to have dot you have to have a uh, bullseye. You got to have bullseye, right? So it you you play the risk of like not drawing bullseye and then you know not playing the cards you want, but I like it. I think it's a really fascinating card that has a lot of combo potential. Yeah, I mean, uh, Psylocke, you can grab Psylocke early, right? For those Mr. Negative decks. Master Mold, you can get out there. There's a lot of different combo pieces that you kind of rely on. You hope that they come and and I think bullseye even outside of the first turn could be cool to set up even as a quick play that you know that you can grab that two cost that you're kind of waiting on, right? Kind of hoping for that ramp card to play Galactus, whatever it might be. I think he's going to be great if he stays at one cost. Super hyped about this one. No question. Now, as far as iconic characters and strong abilities and archetypes that I love, this is my 10 out of 10. No question. It is the thumbnail for those that did see it. Jean Grey. I cannot wait for Jean Grey. One of the most iconic X-Men. On reveal, she's a 3-3, guys. The next card your opponent plays must be played where Jean Grey was played if possible. What do you think, Alex? 
I love it. You get additional negasonic value, by the way, if you can force them into the negasonic lane. But I, I think it's fantastic. And obviously, I've been watching the animated series, and uh, Jean Grey plays a major role in that. So the nostalgia is coming like back full force here. I think it's a really fascinating card, right? That that kind of like uh, Avengers compound style effect. Yeah, honestly, Cozy, I think this is going to be a really good control card. It has a ton of potential. Yeah, I like that it's on reveal so that you can't put it in like a Cosmo lane and then your opponent has to play card in that Cosmo lane. Or you could uh, somehow if you like swing priority, I guess you could play it. And then your next turn, you put Cosmo on that lane and then, and then they have to put it. I don't know. I, it has a lot of potential for not just turn three. And I think that is what has me very excited. And it gives me a 10 out of 10 because I'm a control fan and I love the three cost drop. Now, Alex, people fear Shang-Chi. We just talked about him. But what about a six cost drop called Lady Deathstrike? And guys, this is a 6-4 and on reveal, destroy the enemy card with the highest power at this location. So that could be a, a, a three power, ten power, infinite. Wow, huh? At the six cost, it makes sense, and the, and I and I actually don't hate the four power attached to it. I am. I like that you can't shang and do this on the same turn. Do what are your thoughts here? It's a fascinating card because it obviously guarantees you destroy a card. Like no matter what, something on the opposing side of the board gets taken out. So that's probably why it's a 6-4 because you're guaranteeing some sort of value on the exchange. Somehow it makes uh, Shadow King even worse because that was like his one shtick. And now this lady Deathstrike is going to come in and, and do that job anyway, right? So really cool. I think priority is going to be huge. Like start combining this with things like Ghost. And that's when you get some really nutty plays. And so we'll have to see. Could be a bad... Uh, it could not work out that well. Could be really good. Could be great in ramp decks. Who knows? We'll have to see. Now, the next card is probably going to be a big bat. Probably going to be a permanent, if I had to guess, 6,000 card. And that is Mephisto. It may not. It may not. I just feel like his power screams it. And this is a 6-0, guys, that if you win the game that you're playing, double your winnings. Now, you're not getting anything for this, Alex. So, obviously, Mr. Negative is where I see this. <laughs> what are your thoughts here, man? This is such a weird one. This is one of those cards that I can see not being released in the way that we think it is. Like, this is the one that might be like, hey, we have a new announcement. It's Mephisto, and it's not at all what we've been leaked or whatever, right? So this could change, but it does seem pretty wild for Mr. Negative naturally. Um, I like the idea of having a 6-0 that just, like, you're so far ahead on turn 5, like, you confidently play that out. And what's interesting about it is if you play Mephisto and you don't snap, it's like you've kind of snapped, right? <laughs> yeah, and like ramp decks, you get it out, you know, get it out a little early and then you can have fun. And like for me, especially conquest mode, how good, like important that's going to be in health in the battle mode, like this could be disgusting. If that works with battle mode, we'll have to see. I remember seeing King and I was like, well, there's no way that gets released. And then it did and it's not as bad as, as we thought. So I don't know, but I love the idea of the gambling aspect of like betting on yourself just you're kicking butt and your opponent just wants to stick it out and see what happens. And then Mephisto is going to double what you take. Now, Alex, Arrow is my wife, as you guys know. And she's, she's doing okay. She's doing better than we thought. But there is a new candidate that could be my wife in the future here. And that is Silver Sable. Guys, this is a two cost, six power card. If you think Hitmonkey is good, just you wait. And on top of that, good God, Sarah Miracle decks. You can only play this at a location where you have six plus total power. A two six. This is insane. This is such a good two cost card. I, I, I can't even, yeah, it's nuts. You just can't play it on curve. That's about it. 
Yeah, this is an absolutely fantastic card. Like in terms of like tempo, in terms of like just overall priority, everything about it's fantastic, right? And the thing I like about it as well is if you read the text closely, it says you have to have six plus total power. That doesn't mean you're winning by six. It's not like an Omega Red situation. You just got to have six on the board, which is Iceman Lizard. <laughs> really, it's Iceman Lizard, and you've done it. Yeah, and it's a, the, I don't know, Hit Monkey Mysterio with this, and it's only one because of Sarah. Like, ah, oh my God, this one is going to be nutty. I think this is a 10 out of 10 on my book just because of how useful it'll be and impactful. And they're going to have to up their two cost game if this thing isn't just going to take over or take this down. Now we have two more cards left, Alex, and uh, one we already talked about and we'll end on the on the big bat that's coming next month. But we have Iron Lad. Now Iron Lad, we kind of briefly talked about, but essentially guys, he's a 4-6 and he copies the text of the card on the top of your deck. And you know, Alex, this card has major major potential in some deck building, right? Let's take Jeff the Shark, for example. I want to know how this is going to work. And it comes out next month. But if this can see that Jeff, and maybe you can't see it, right? And all of a sudden it has the abilities. But if all of a sudden you can move this 4-6 and there's nothing that can stop it from being played, because it's not the ability, it's the text. It is the text that it copies. And so I think Iron Lad, High Evolutionary might get all the love, but I think Iron Lad has some strong deck building potential. There's no kidding. Like it has incredible deck building potential. And it's one of those cards that really, I don't think we're going to fully appreciate its power until it's in our hands and we get to experiment with it. Like this is one of the ones that you really need to experiment with. When you see high evolutionary, you get it. This is the one where you're like, man, I need it in my hand. I need to deck build with it. I need to experiment with it. I need to see what it can do because I feel like it's going to fall on either side. It's either going to be extremely good or completely irrelevant. It will not. I don't feel like it'll fall in the middle. You know what I mean? Yep. I agree because if you can't see what it is and like you play it on a lane and it's Galactus as your top deck and you, you just all of a sudden and now you're Galactusing and you don't want to, I'd like I, it could be a little nutty, but I do think this thing has some strong potential. If you like Jubilee it out. Like, and you just have a, it's another high cost roller and it's a four cost and a four six, which is a strong stat line for what it can do, I think, in general and snap. Now, lastly, we end with the big bad, Alex, and that is Living Tribunal. And this is the one that's really going to shake things up at the end of the game. Split your total power evenly amongst all the locations. And I, I think that this is going to create craziness. It's going to be the same effect as when Galactus first dropped. There's going to be some time that it's going to take for people to know how to stop this thing because we're going to see those Iron Man onslaught combos. Some really nutty potential. What do you even think with Living Tribunal? It's a super fascinating card. It's a super fascinating card. And I think that at first glance, people are like, oh, there's going to be double dinosaurs everywhere just trying to throw up as much power as possible. Sean Chi's going to have a heyday. But you are absolutely correct. There are so many sneaky ways to just ramp up power in the location, like number wise. And it's like exactly that. It's the Iron Man. It's the onslaughts. It's mystiques. It's those very kind of like niche tricky manners that which you could ramp power up or, or like, it's insane what it can do. And it hits on turn six and it's a surprise. I know, dude, like a ramp tech. All you have to do is play Iron Man on five. Okay. Onslaught with seven power. Can't Shang-Chi him. All right. So now we're like, all right, 14 power. Then, uh, well, you know, you have the, sorry, you have the Living Tribunal added there too. So then it's doubled of the doubled of the split across the locations. It, I don't know if that can be beat. So you're going to have to bring Enchantress and that would bring that back into it. Really crazy stuff. I do believe it's an ongoing effect now. That's not in the text. I, I believe. I'm not quite sure. But all I know is this thing is going to shake up in May. And we have not one, but three cards, four cards really with Howard 
that is going to make May a crazy month, which is why I'm saying to save your tokens. All right, Alex, let's go ahead and shift to your subjects on your side of the channel here. Podcast listeners, we got some good ones for you, and we will be starting with the season pass review and shakeup. That's right. So a couple of notes about the season pass. Now, first of all, there was a little bit of an error, right? We had the the situation where they accidentally paywalled one of the variants, and that is being rectified by everybody in Marvel Snap getting a free variant in their inbox. So that's fantastic. Kudos to the team for doing that. Doing That's the right thing to do, in my opinion. The reason why I wanted to talk about this subject was because we've seen the same style season pass since beta. It has not changed. The format has not changed. You have a card unlocked. You have a level 50 variant, which is not always even better than the original, honestly. And then what you have is you have a whole bunch of gold, a whole bunch of credits, a couple, uh, you know, variants in there. And then finally, a bunch of avatars and uh, titles and stuff like that. Boosters, of course. What I'm suggesting, though. Now, this season pass, by the way, I think has some of the best art I've ever seen. We're going to talk about the review side of it. Let's talk about the art. Because that's one of the things that really draws me to it. The Ryan Gonzalez art here is through the roof. Now, we just finished talking about how you love color, right? You dress in color. And now tell me how you feel about these absolutely magnificent variants. So I've had the Rogue and Gambit for a while, and you know I, sh I shot my shot, right? I go to Twitter, and I'm like, hey, Ryan, love your work. If you have any original prints, I'm your man. I want to put them in my studio. And uh, I, I, I got pied, as the, as the English say. They, she said, uh, not at this time. So I do love her work. I think she does a really good job, like this Cosmo, like, ah, it's so good. The animated stars that are with it whenever you upgrade it, from what I've seen, just really cool art in general. They always seem to nail the season pass variants and things like that. But I love uh, this one's more my style for sure. And uh, just super cool cards in general. And it, it, I like the animals as symbol. Uh, it's, it's a fun season theme. It is. But one thing that's worth noting here is I think that there are some opportunities to make things a little better here. Now, if you're to think very critically here, like considering that, okay, I... I buy the 10 extra levels. I spend basically 23 Canadian dollars on the season pass every single month. That's not insignificant. I remember like we talk about like World of Warcraft subscriptions basically costing, you know, 15 bucks a month or whatever they are. Like it's not insignificant to be spending 20 something dollars a month on a season pass. Now the major allure for most people is the card itself. Hitmonkey, which this, this season is actually a really good card. However, Cozy, the thing I'm going to ask you here is I feel like it's an unhealthy situation. If the season pass, the value of the season pass is always very reliant on the quality or competitiveness of the card you get within it. Because I feel like in Marvel Snap, we're in this unique spot where like when you get a Call of Duty season pass, like you're getting skins, you're getting all these different things. It's not necessarily unlocking, like you will get like a like a gun or whatever, but like it doesn't quite do what the season pass does. Like I feel like we have such a fixation on the unlocked card and less on the other things, the card backs, the fantastic art and et cetera, which I think we need to lean into more. Yeah, it's kind of, I just feel like it's a lose-lose no matter what they do. First of all, I agree 100%. Uh, let me break it down. First of all, if they make this card too strong, people are mad. If they make it too weak, people are mad. So the, the, we saw that with the, some of the season passes. So I don't know what you do there. I do agree, like, the $10 just for the card isn't isn't fantastic. These resources, uh, they're definitely nice. But here's the thing where, when I, the, where I mean they can't win. For instance, I think it's way too easy to blow through the season pass. It's so easy for the most part. I, I don't, I've never struggled. I'm always in the hundreds whenever I in the season, right? Because I play a lot of snap. They got to be careful because it's a mobile game and, you know, people play casually and they want to be able to spend that money and get that value at the same time. 
But if they were to amp the rewards and make it harder to go up, or maybe after 50, we have the next track. And that 50 to 100, man, you got to grind, but it's some good rewards. 100%. I think we need to shake up. They're not going to change this whole thing. I think that's a UI. There's no way they're going to put the manpower there. But it's not even just the rewards. I think it's the entire season. When a new season happens in, let's say, Fortnite or with League of Legends and things like that, it is a huge event. And I get it. I know Mr. Broad, I love you, bud, but you were sick and I get that you had to film the, the developer's video. To me, it wasn't even a developer, a developer video. It was just kind of like a season pass announcement. And the last few, there was a lot to them. It kind of teased some things coming out. It was the biggest letdown of a video that I've seen thus far, which didn't help the momentum, right? The balance patch, we'll get to that in a moment. There just needs to be a, holy crap, there's so much to do in Marvel Snap. It's a brand new season. There's a bunch of change in the air. And right now, they've already addressed it. It's technical limitations. Why they can't do the balance patch at the same time. But imagine that. Imagine the dev video having hyper-release stuff coming out in the next couple of months with video stuff. You have, uh, you have a br brand new meta shift with balance patches. And you have Hitmonkey. That alone... If you do that, man, I color me happy. I think that's a really good, it makes a season feel new, right? Based on my experience and like the kind of uh, community votes I've had in uh, in my Marvel Snap community, it seems as though about like 45 to 55% of the player base is buying the season pass on a monthly basis. And I'm just thinking that like if you amped up the kind of like, I don't want to see the quality of it, but if you amped up the rewards, and you converted more people, you'd probably make more money. And you know what? The people buying it would feel a lot better. There is one major concern I have, though, and this is something I'm not sure how to articulate, Cozy. Okay. So we know how expensive tokens are. Because if you look at the frog bundle, for instance, you're basically paying 7,000 gold for a variant, 7,000 boost, uh, 7,000, sorry, credits, and those 3,000 tokens. And everyone wants those tokens. But you know what the sad reality is? That's one season four card, half of the season five card. And you know what? If you were to try to like just keep up with every single release every single week, you'd be spending like hundreds of dollars a month in credits and gold and stuff like that. So is, is it sad that it's a bit of a reprieve to like just spend your 10, 20 bucks and get a card brand new in like the season pass? Like, does that feel right? Because for me, it kind of like showcases how problematic the card acquisition is. I don't think the season pass should be an avenue for card acquisition. I think it should be something that we're getting even more variants, even more value, even more cosmetics. That's where it like, that's where it should be shining. It shouldn't be able to card. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a whole nother topic, right? The card acquisition, because they've doubled down on it. That's their thing. They don't want everyone to have every card and that's that right that's like when i see a lot of complaints on twitter or whatever about people saying look how much whale bait this is it's like they don't want you to be able to have every card that they don't really at the moment care for that and and is it the right decision i i, I think most of everyone's leaning on no on that right and, and so that's its own kind of subject to it right and in in one side of thing like you don't need goodness god you don't need to buy the frog bundle to be competitive and snap but it doesn't take away from the funness about it, too, or, or, or any of those aspects. And, and I do agree. I, again, I think that, A, they need to have some serious conversations on second dinner of what they want to do with the avenue of the game. But they also need to make sure that they continue to bring excitement. And I'll tell you, what isn't exciting is knowing, right? And in fact, this is a great example. I do a season pass review every single time. I knew what this was going to be. Not data mined. But because I knew it was going to be the exact same season pass, that's not exciting. I knew it was the same stuff. 
And it just doesn't bring excitement, right? Uh, Christmas every year for the same stuff is an exciting or boxing day for you. But I don't know. That's my general thoughts on the season pass. I like the thematicness. I think it's a good starting point, but let's see some change. Absolutely. And it is thematically very strong. I think this is amongst the strongest thematic. Like, ironically, we're just coming from an X-Men one where I feel like they dropped the ball on the X-Men theme, right? Yeah. We talked about how, like, Nimrod... Which was, which is actually, by the way, in the uh, the animated series. I had not realized that till I saw. It. Is that he's, like what the fourth time I've brought it up this episode? He's OP, dude, in the animated. He is like ridiculously overpowered in the animated series. But yeah, continue. Yeah, so like it's so funny how we talked about prior. Like, who's Nimrod? I don't know who Nimrod is. And like literally in season one of the animated series, he's like he's there fighting Bishop. I'm like, oh damn, I should have. I didn't even remember this, right? But um, I do think that like we need to reinvigorate what this is, the general design of it. And you're right. Like you're see, by the way, your review video was fantastic. Fantastic, and it nailed everything. And it's like true. You knew exactly what it was going to be because it, it hasn't changed. It needs to change. And I think that, like, honestly, the boosters they got to go. Like the, the the boosters, if they feel like filler, they feel like filler. Yeah. Just the way like the titles feel like filler. Just like in the collection track, there's tons of collection levels that are actually just nothing, right? Like, there's too much filler, especially when you're putting your money down. You need to get more out of it. I'm sorry. When I hear that 45% of the player base is buying the season pass, especially when it's unlocking a meta-relevant card, that to me is painful, and it's indicative that the season pass is not providing enough value. Yeah, especially... With each pass that passes, keep up with me there. Because here's the thing. Oh my God, look how cute this card back is. It's incredible. In 10 months from now, I'm going to have a gold X-Men back. I'm going to have a gold goose. I'm going to have a lot of different card backs I can choose from. It, it just doesn't, it, it's cool. It's a new thing, but it doesn't change that we have like an endless vacuum of titles and card backs and avatars and things like that. Um, and, and again, they, they really did great with the ones they offered. I saw on Twitter, you said you loved the, the Cosmo one. It's your favorite one. But I do agree. They need to shake it up. I think actually the credit and gold stuff is good. And it's good value, good resources, plenty of that. But it's the boosters. It's the things in between. Gotta go and uh, get a new refresh. All right, Cozy. Let's talk about the decks to play this season. Now, the season pass, it needs work. But you know what it does not need work? is Hitmonkey. Hitmonkey is in a great spot right now. So let's talk about a couple Hitmonkey decks, but then we're going to talk about a couple other decks too, because I know there's a lot of people out there that might not have Hitmonkey. As we discussed, you didn't buy the season pass. It was not enticing enough. Hitmonkey, though, is in a great spot, Cozy. Show me a deck that you're absolutely loving with Hitmonkey. Yeah, you know, it's more of I could just speak on them. I have, I think the majority of my deck spots right now, probably half of them are, I need to reorganize this, but they are Hitmonkey testing decks, because there's so much theory crafting that you can do. You can have and some of these don't work great, let me tell you. I've done some testing. I thought the whole move bounce thing would be a lot of fun. Maybe it will be. Uh, didn't really work out for me. But I do think there's a lot of fun decks that you could play at the moment. It really, you'll see a deck guide if it does end up working for me. Uh, but a build that I have being put together, you heard it here first, is kind of this Hitmonkey Patriot deck. Can't really see it all the way, but I have things that just work with Bast and things that work with Mysterio. Now, I love this, I hope. That no one gets it out before I do a deck guide. It's probably going to happen. But Wasp, <laughs> Hood, and Bast is going to be your, your low-cost cards. You have Wasp that works with Patriot. You also have Hood's Demon that works with Patriot. Bast is going to make Hood better. You have Angel Bishop, obviously Mysterio, and Hitmonkey. But I went back to the classic, classic Miracle decks that have Bucky Barn and Carnage because they're both one cost on with Sarah on the board. And then the Iron Man right now, he's kind of the filler. The deck started out with Invisible Woman and Ultron because of Hitmonkey's really good combo potential with Invisible Woman. Uh, but this is a deck. This is what I'm talking about. I think, you know, people see the bounce. They see the miracle. They say, okay, I'm going to go climb with those two. 
I like I like trying some different stuff here. So this is my newest blend. Cozy, I've got a deck very similar to that, utilizing Sarah to good effect in this as well. And it is in the standard control shell of Sarah. You see it on the screen here. And the way it works here is you're basically using Sarah on turn five to have a miracle style turn six. Uh, and the key thing is you have Nova Korg, right? But you're using the Nova, Nova in conjunction with Killmonger because Killmonger is providing a ton of value against those sunspots. You have Hitmonkey, which again, you want to drop on that turn six. But earlier, if you're suspecting that Sandman or <laughs> Leech might be coming out, it's a Zawu base list with Sentinel, Mysterio, and Bishop, Darkhawk, Shang-Chi, and Rock Slide. Now, I love this deck because you have the Sarah control elements of obviously a inexpensive Shang-Chi and inexpensive Rock Slide. On turn six, if you have both Zabu and Sarah, you have that two cost Shang-Chi, which can be incredibly valuable. You have the value generation of Mysterio with Bishop and Hitmonkey. It's just a deck that I feel like does everything right. And the thing I love about this control list, really my favorite thing, is the Killmonger Nova combination, which I know seems like Alex really, but the amount of sunspots out there, oh, yeah. when you drop that Killmonger, it like completely wipes their board state. And unfortunately, sometimes the Nova gives away the fact that you might be having something up your sleeve. Like, why do you have a Nova on the board when you're playing? But like, honestly, it does work because I'm finding a lot of people out there are getting greedy. They're playing sunspot and they're not armoring up. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was definitely leaning towards no Novas anymore with my Miracle decks before Monkey, right? Just why? Yeah, there's just other options out there, if I'm being honest. But now that Mysterio is a staple, you're, you're you're checking off like nine boxes, man. It's insane. I know. The Mysterio getting those those the plus ones, which actually was in the the first style of Sarah Miracle decks ever. Uh, but but those getting the plus ones now, and you're getting rid of the one cost drops, the Titania, the Zulus, and you're just built. It's dude, it's so much at once. And Mysterio being only one, Killmonger being two cost. Very solid stuff. Love the Miracle style decks. Yeah, and again, like honestly, we talked about in the past how Killmonger, it's a 3-3, three, three, but realistically, it's way higher than that. When you're proccing Nova and you're taking out their Sunspot, suddenly it's like a 3-15 as it spreads across the board to all your Mysterio clones and your Hitmonkey and everything else you just zoot out like crazy. It's incredible. Like It becomes probably one of the biggest stat lines at three costs just in pure board value and the fact that you can sneak it out with a Sarah as a two cost. Remember, if you have Sarah Zabu, you can Killmonger, you can Shang-Chi, and you can Rock Slide on the same turn. Right, yeah. So it's crazy what you can actually do. You can ramp up your Darkhawk while also basically punching out a, a, a card over here and just like destroying everything on the other side. So it's quite wild what you can do in one turn with this deck. Oh, I love it, man. I have another spicy spicy deck that's very hard to operate but it's a lot of fun man and look my at my favorite look at this blend here uh this is my valk kong deck and this thing is kind of nutty you have a lot of things happening here now hood could be there instead of adam warlock but we've got wasp yellow jacket bast ant-man warlock and angela and then of course you have the hit monkey bishop mysterio thor jane thor and valkyrie now the whole point of this deck guys is you have the zero cost that you can pull with jane foster in addition to Thor's hammer. So you have three free cards to play with your hit monkey. You have cheap cards like Ant-Man that are going to boost up when you do your Valkyrie, threeing every card on that location. It works with Angela. It works with every single card that could use it. And man, you can flood. You can absolutely flood. And for the first time, Jane feels good to play on turn five because you're getting all these zero cards. And if you already have them, you can do some other funny business with it. Best part is I have Adam Warlock in the deck to guarantee our card draw, making sure we get the cards we need and the combo pieces, as well as 
getting a better chance to pull Molnir if you don't have the card. Now, Alex, this is definitely my spicy deck as well. One that I've been having a lot of fun with. Gonna need a proper in-depth guide, uh, but that's what I've been messing with as well. Oh, you're speaking to my heart. Like, I was literally staring at that screen and, like, just getting so happy because, like, you have Valkyrie in there. You got Adam Warlock in there. Bash. Like, we just finished talking about how we love all these cards, right? Like, you literally played... It's like, what cards do I love that no one's playing? Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> You've made a, an actual viable deck with them. That's like fantastic. Just gotta... Find a way to get crystal in there. <laughs> I know, right? Maybe if they uh, if they buffer. But yeah, that's been my my latest deck. Do you have any last ones for me? Yeah. Okay. So I get a lot of questions about this. People are like, "Hey, Alex, I I didn't buy Hit Monkey. I just didn't want to, or for whatever reason, how do I deal with it?" Well, honestly, there is one really reliable deck that you can turn to, and that is a Sandman deck. Now, the Sandman anti-ramp meta list here, what it does is it effectively makes it so that you can get a Sandman or Leech out on turn four, which very effectively nullifies your opponent's opportunity to play these very combo-centric decks that we're uh, really seeing in the meta right now. You do prioritize Sandman, right? Because the way bounce can work sometimes, whether or not you have priority, you might actually they might actually dodge the Leech, honestly. So you want to uh, focus on Sandman first and then with Sandman you have the follow-up with Doom Odin which is very problematic for your opponent to deal with. It has a very straightforward play style. You have the Sunspot Iceman which is going to be really prevalent in this meta to help break up a lot of combos. You have the Ebony Maw which is just a great value piece for uh, for initiative. Scorpion which once again negates a lot of the value from those bounce base lists and honestly at the end of the day this is a very reliable list to counter these combo centric decks that we're seeing out there right now especially with Hitmonkey and the prevalence of Hitmonkey. Now, one thing I will say, however, is it does not fare as well against Shuri. So Shuri is going to be problematic because naturally, as an Electro Ramp list, you don't want to run a four drop like Shang-Chi. It feels a little awkward. But if Shuri gets adjusted, like we're hoping it does, it should allow for a deck like this to really climb up the tiers. So just be aware that if you're getting Shuri, if you notice it's a Shuri player and they snap, you just give them the one cube, you walk away, you queue next. Yeah, man. Sandman, he's going to be crawling all over the meta. I kind of forgot these are just decks to play and not uh, Hitmonkey decks. I showed a couple of Hitmonkeys. But uh, yeah, Sandman, you know, uh, I've got Arrow in mind, and not just because I love her, but I think that Arrow is a good way to counter Shuri. If you see that that's what they're playing, you can do Arrow and then Odin the Arrow and make sure they just keep playing the the, the big card where they don't want to, and, and then you, you win the other two locations. But yeah, Sandman right now, very strong position uh, and a few different ways to play him, which is what I love about that in general. Uh, on top of that, I think Doom Wave is obviously going to be really good right now. The way five decks and just the way that you're able to play She-Hulk with a five cost card. A lot of people, for whatever reason, are still confused, guys. It's very simple. If you play just Wave on turn five and you have She-Hulk, you can play She-Hulk plus any other card in your deck. And that is where you can do Magneto combos and Dr. Doom. There's a lot of great stuff to pair them up with. Uh, so that's a deck that I would favor at the moment. I also think that just the ones last season are still doing great. Silver Surfer. Still a good deck. Uh, you've got a lot of these decks that have been staples that are still tier one, tier two decks uh, that perform at, at a good level. And it's nice to not see Thanos all the time. But I will say, Alex, I'm a bit ashamed of you, man. I, how, uh, how dare you? How dare you mention him? I know. How dare you mention Voldemort here on the channel? I know. It's annoying. But you know what, though? Like, this is exactly why the card's in the game. Yep. Someone's hit monkeying, packing this massive turn six hit where it's about to punch you right in the throat. And you just throw Leech out. And you're like, no, thanks, bro. Yeah, and th the last thing I will say is I also think there's one more deck that uh, I, I'm i not crazy about. Uh, I'm not a big RNG guy. It's fun, but as far as like rank climbing, it's not my favorite thing. But if you look at the stats, Alex, for Jane Jaw at the moment, 
it's like 59% win rate. Now that's early on. We have to see how it kind of flushes out over the season. But like Shuri's like a 62%. Like this deck is performing right now. And it's crazy to see that. Uh, so I would say if you want another one and you happen to have these cards, Jane Jaw is the deck that I, I would probably recommend as far as just uh, proven stats. It's doing good right now with the stats as well as the, the Dracula dump deck. So those are my main decks that I would play in the current season, Alex. I actually love the Jane Jaw base list. I mean, whenever you're playing Lockjaw, the RNG is pretty wild. And if you're someone who's been playing Thanos Lockjaw, okay, so I've seen this comment a bunch. People playing Thanos Lockjaw, and then they try to go back to like regular Lockjaw. They're like, man, this sucks. It's like, no, it doesn't. It's just you have been spoiled rotten with what, with what Thanos does with Lockjaw. Like, back to reality is what Lockjaw was supposed to be with someone like, you know, Jane Foster and uh, obviously Wasp. And I love your inclusion of Nightcrawler because if it comes out, you can move it, continue to play. One of the reasons why I actually like playing Vision in in Lockjaw list, because when you pull the Vision out, you can move Vision and then play someone else in, right? So yeah. I absolutely love Lockjaw. I'm actually, can I give you a hot take? I'm glad Lockjaw didn't get nerfed. I was actually really nervous that Lockjaw was going to get nerfed and like a whole archetype was going to die because of the prevalence of... Uh, of Thanos. Unfortunately, like, you know, rip Quinjet to some extent, but now that Hitmonkey's out and now that Kitty Pride's out, it makes much more sense. Like my initial reaction to the Quinjet nerf, now I have a little more like, you know, scope, understanding, the 30,000 foot view, eh, it makes more sense. I'm, I'm happy with it now. It's safe for Arrow. Uh, listen, do I wish they didn't do as dirty as she they did? Yeah, but I think Glenn released the stats. She's still like one of the most top played cards, still very good at the win rate, cube rate, and uh, you know, it feels uh, pretty good, I think. I It's a bit awkward, and I can tell you that I've lost a couple games thinking she did her old ability. I've It's just been ingrained in my soul. But uh, yeah, you know, I, for the most part, the balance changes outside of a couple did a good job, Alex, overall. And I think a lot of the decks we're talking about right now are probably going to be hot and rising cards as well. Yeah, no kidding. And one last thing I want to mention here is like, I kind of want to give some credit to the development team. Like they take a lot of heat. Like during the patch they changes, they took a lot of heat. Like even myself was like, this Quinjet nerf, what did they do to Quinjet? Maria Hill, rest in peace. I was like, you know, I was dying. And then now with a little bit of time and a little bit of perspective, it makes more sense. So like the reason why I say this is because like I was one of the first ones to get on top of that Quinjet nerf and be like, what are we doing here? And then now it makes more sense. So I think that like, you know, through the lens of, of just patience and objectivity, these development teams are actually doing a pretty good job. Right? I think Glenn's actually nailing some of these balance changes. And you know what that does? It makes me more excited, more excited for the balance changes coming in the future, which would appear to be probably going to be in line with the series drop. Yeah, I listen, I'm, I'm new to card games, you know, I, I at least consecrating behind them. And I'll tell you this, I, I'm just starting to realize that there is a hated card every patch. And there's probably going to be nothing that can change that. I think it's just the way it works. Uh, I think negativity does sell. It's just not my style, I guess. I, I, I just, it's, to me, it's, it's just comical. It's some of the complaints here because uh, don't, don't, don't forget to have fun. It, it's like, it's a car. It's a fun game after all. I love the passion and don't get me wrong, but it, you know, it just, I think we can take it a bit easy sometimes on our ranting per se, as far as, especially as the balancing stuff goes. But I will say, I just don't know what message needs to get across. I think they're probably just working on the tech behind it. I don't know. I think they probably shouldn't announce that they had tech to patch any time. It was probably just a bad PR move because it's like, I just, that's the piece that I can't wrap my head around at the moment. I will defend them night and day about what I just said, right? Positivity. But we just have to see 
quicker action. We have to see some quicker action yeah. here. I don't, I just don't, for me, and again, there's probably more tech behind it that I don't understand, but I read the tweet that they could buff and nerf anytime. So if I was on the other end, like, why not? It's Friday. Hey, let's just see how a 4-0 Shuri goes this weekend, right? Like, that's the stuff that's like, why? Why not? I just don't understand that. And and maybe they, they can clarify that in a later date. You know what? I'm going to come off the script a little bit here because I actually want to talk about this. You're touching on a very important thing. So I've had this thought that's been really prevalent in my mind. And uh, I actually went out for dinner with some friends last weekend. And we were talking about Marvel Snap because they're really interested in like what I do and stuff like that. And they play Marvel Snap. I actually got my friends into Marvel Snap. All of them have stopped playing. Almost all of them have stopped. My brother will pick it up here, here and there, but almost all of them have stopped playing. And honestly, that breaks my heart because like when you talk to like your friends, they give you the really honest opinion, right? Like, but when it's your friends and they look you down the face and they say, you know what, Alex, like this Shiri stuff, I'm playing it like half the time. I don't have the answers to it. I just don't want to play. It's not fun. It's not fun. And they say like, Alex, I'm not playing the same game as you. I don't have the same cards. I, I don't have the ability to play wave arrow just to deal with this one deck that's in 25% of my games. It's just not fun. Like, and so they stop playing. So when you say that, like, yes, they're actually hitting a lot of these balance changes, right? But like they kind of whiffed on the Shuri a little bit and you know what? They're human. What are you going to do? But at the same time, cozy, I think you're right. It's taken too long. And I really am concerned that some significant damage is being done by the Shuri meta. Like if the casual player doesn't want to play, like I, I wake up in the morning sometimes and I'm like, I don't want to queue against Shuri players anymore. I'm just sick. I want to play some fun, cool stuff. And I can't because I have to rank up because that's the expectation as a content creator. I got to play these sweaty decks. And sure enough, it's like Shuri list after Shuri list after Shuri list. It's not fun. And I, I'm just concerned it's done damage to the longevity of the game. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have plenty of opinion there. I would say, I think every game, listen, listen, I'm not trying to devalue anything, but every game, the game is dying. Everybody who doesn't like a game, the game is dying. And it's like, guys, sh shut up, please. It's not, it's, know, it's doing right? great. Game's dead, it's doing dead fine. Game, yeah. It is what it is. I think there, there's ebb and flows. I think that the peak of what the game was uh, has gone down a little bit because of initial hype, but I think it'll come, you know, as, as new game modes and things come. And, and, and this isn't saying anything against like, they do need to be more timely here. Wasn't expected to talk about this. I'm, I'm, Absolutely fine to. My thoughts on Shuri. I don't know if it's the general community thoughts, but this is my thoughts. I think if you're a good player, it's fine. I'm not worried about Shuri. I'll be honest. I don't think she's that hard to beat at with a good amount of decks. However, there's a caveat. She's way too easy to play for what she does do. And more importantly is I am playing so much snap, right? So my takes are, guys, I not your takes. And I get that because I can see things and do things, whatever, right? Because I play a lot of it. But for the casual player, man, it is a mess. Shuri is a huge problem. It's an absolute disgusting card that needs to be addressed in several ways. So I see it in different ways. Like, I think that if Monkey can beat Shuri and, and Shuri can beat Sandman or whatever, I don't know, and Sandman can beat Monkey, then, you know, okay, you have some things going. I want there to be a lot of decks. I want every archetype to have a shot, right? And, and right now, that's not the case. I think there are a good amount of decks without exclusive crazy cards that still can beat Shuri. But it's the leader problem of it's just too damn easy. And that makes it bad for the casual that doesn't have time to learn the archetypes, the meta, whatever. They hop on, they see a Shuri, they see a Red Skull at a billion power, and they're like, I'm out, right? And so I want to be careful with how I said it. I do think Shuri needs to be addressed. I do think it's hilarious that it's just like the new thing to hate all the time. There's going to be another one. It's going to be, we talked about this a couple times back. It's a careful, they got to figure it out big time, but it's the timeliness 
that is the biggest biggest issue around it in general uh and, and i want to know for you like right like is shuri like crazy 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 overpowered in your head are you losing to shuri like that that much because she's still only a 60 percent win rate in the general decks no i i'll be honest with you so with shuri i find shuri is always taking a cube off me and nothing more like yeah, if i'm against leave, a shuri, right? yeah yeah you leave yeah you just I identify that it's a shuri list i see the cosmo drop i see the shuri drop and i already know i'm like do I have a play here? Exactly. If they snap, I walk. And so like, yeah, take your one cube, enjoy it, right? Like, what are you going to do, right? I mean, it was maybe two months ago, we talked about the skill of identifying opponent's decks. Remember when we did that that kind of segment where we said, hey, they play this and this on turn one and two. What are they playing? Well, obviously Shuri has a very tell telltale play pattern from turn three onward. Cosmo, Shuri, <laughs> right? Skip turn. Well, there's going to be She-Hulks everywhere, right? So mm -hmm. it's like, um, it's one of those things is like, you know, obviously there's a play pattern. Once you identify that and you know what what's coming, you can make a good discern decision on, okay, I got to just walk. I give the cube and that's fine. I feel like there's a lot of frustration of people saying like, I'm going to, I'm going to beat this, this Shuri player and I'm going to snap back. I'm going to show this guy. And then they lose the eight and they, then they go to Reddit and they, they punch their keyboard with caps lock. Right. I totally understand the frustration, but at the same time, I got to tell you every single deck I design, I have to have the caveat of how does this deal with Shuri or does it just lose? Yep. That's, and that's the main issue. I think it's the oppressiveness. There's just, she's everywhere right now. And it's the same as the Thanos leech thing. It's the exact same thing that I want there to be multiple competitive decks. I am completely fine with Sherry being in the game. Doubling and having high power cards is great and all, but there needs, and that's why it was kind of on my side. We talked about Shang-Chi and I had my stances there, right? Like, it's important to the game, but there can't just be one card that answers it. And you just have to have like 10, 7, whatever your number is of competitive you know, archetypes, not decks, but archetypes, right? And, and not even just the less experience, but just like the casual player. Definitely understand where you're coming from, without question. You know, I refuse to, to get on this bandwagon of another leader treatment, not going to happen on my end. But what it really comes down to is communication. So like, I don't know, in the dev video, it would have been like, yeah, we see Shuri's a problem. We're working on it, guys. Stay tuned, whatever. Uh, that's the stuff that I would, probably the communication there maybe a little bit can change. But altogether, uh, we did derail a bunch, but I think it was important to talk about it that it's more about, uh, there needs to be more meta diversification and quicker changes is the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. And without question, I think that like, I think the whole player base would benefit from that. Like the entire game would benefit from a meta that's more often shaken up a little bit. But thankfully, you know what, Cozy? Hitmonkey kind of gave a little bit of a reprieve because Hitmonkey, I think, is viable. And uh, I think you're right, by the way. Hitmonkey can play to Shuri. I think it can. I think it can deal with it. I think that, you know, there's going to be versions of that deck. They're going to be able to kind of work against it. And I look forward to kind of seeing that. Yeah, but then it could be Hitmonkey next, right? If 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 they tune down Shuri and then Hitmonkey's good, it could be Hitmonkey next. So there will, I've accepted it. There will always be a card that is hated in a, in a card game. And I, I do get that. And I, I stand behind a lot of it. I just get comments that ask me like, you know, make a full video about like Sherry block. I, I, like guys, I don't do this for the views. I, I, yeah, I could probably get, you know, whatever, uh, six digits of views complaining about Sherry. I just, I, yeah. And maybe I will, maybe it depends if they take another couple weeks. Like, yeah, it's probably needed at that point. It's just the timeliness really about it in general and just the fun factor, right? It's pretty easy. You don't need a scientist to know if something's fun for the general player base or not. And again, I just think it's a bit too easy, but I don't want to discredit people that love Shuri too, man. If you like Shuri, you like planning, don't feel bad about it. I think it's stupid. I, you can certainly, you should feel like garbage if you like Leech. I'm sorry. I hate, I just Leech, I just Leech and, Leech and someone never feels good, right? But no, in general, I think Shuri, hopefully we're talking in a week or two weeks about the significant change that she went through. 
I would expect it to happen uh, on the uh, the drop of the series cards from series four to five and et cetera, right? That's basically been the cadence. But you know what, Cozy? We got to talk about something else. We got to talk about, and I love the fact, by the way, I had to take Cozy by surprise to almost kind of like prod him to like get a little bit of an angry opinion, you know, I had to just take him off script there for a second. And I still couldn't quite, quite get some angry Shuri out of him. Just, oh my, I almost had you. I'm angry. It's funny. It's like, I'm angry at two things, right? I'm angry at the time it's taking and the technical limitations that should be there in the game. And I'm angry by getting on Twitter and not being able to just enjoy, like, just like God, I just don't know how. I just don't know how it just gives people jollies to wake up angry at, at, at a four at a drop. But if it stops you from liking the or, or playing your satisfaction in the game, uh, understandable. I just uh, I think what's terrible too, and I'm seeing this a lot, is just like you're seeing Sherry at such low level of play now too, like like level like rank twenty and thirty. And my my uh, my my good friends are uh, yeah twenty two. And he's like, yeah, I'm going up against Sherry. I'm like, how is it down there? That's insane, right? Uh, so anyway, yeah, you, you, you got me a little bit. You got me a little heated. Okay. Let's talk about our hot and rising cards of the month. Cozy. We got a lot to talk about here because anytime you have a new season pass card specifically, that kind of really shakes things up and the season pass, the card on the season pass is generally owned by more players because like, I, I don't, it's random stat. I'm probably just making this up. But as I said prior, you know, you get about 40, 50% of 45, 50% of people buying the season pass. So about half the population playing the game has hit monkey. Whereas I bet you a brand new card, you know, Jeff, the shark comes out, whatever. It's probably closer to like two to 5%, right? Maybe it's Jeff's bad. higher because Jeff is so awesome. Right. But, but anyways, you know what I mean, right? It's going to be a significantly smaller portion of the population. So, with this impactful season pass card, we didn't see this with Nimrod. We didn't see this with Nimrod. So with the Hitmonkey season pass this month and with the new cards being added, especially Jeff the Shark, who I think is going to be on everyone's watch list. What are some of the hot and rising cards? Cozy, hit me with one that you think is going to be an emerging star. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. I mean, obviously, I think we covered a lot of them. Sandman uh, is is just back, right? We, we've talked about that, I think. Sadly, I think Leech is a way to counter some of the stuff that you're going to see out there with the combo potential. Um, you know, one card I don't see talked about that I'm starting to slot into a couple of decks uh, is going to be Mojo. And that's mainly because of the Hitmonkey crazy spamming. You're almost guaranteed now to have a couple lanes filled out to the max. And I think that Mojo, hell, put him in your Miracle decks with Hitmonkey. And I think he's making a lot of sense right now because of the filled board state that we're seeing. Now, if you go up against Shuri... No, right? Because it's only a couple of cards, but it's going to be a good card, I think, to play in general because we're going to continue to see Beast rise up and definitely want to kind of answer the meta-ish with the bounce stuff. Uh, so Mojo's my first, like, okay, he's going to be on the rise, Alex. Yeah, I love that pick, by the way. Like, Mojo has this really interesting effect where it, like, kind of discourages your opponent from playing that lane. Like, they don't want to go four wide there. They really don't. So if you have, like, a tempo and initiative advantage... And they have to try to answer that. They have to answer whatever it is plus six, right? I love that about Mojo. Mojo's a really fascinating one. Now, I'm going to take the easy route here, Cozy. There are two cards that are really benefiting from this current meta, and it's Bishop and Angela. Now, Bishop and Angela are going to naturally work with the Hitmonkey meta, but the reason why I really want to bring these cards up is not to just beat on the Hitmonkey drum that has been one of the major things of this podcast thus far, but it's Kitty Pride, guys. Kitty Pride is eventually going to be back. It's eventually going to be back. This is a card that I cannot stress enough. I'm so excited to play again. It was by far one of my favorite cards I've played. Kitty Pride with Hitmonkey with Bishop and Angela is wild. Yeah. All three of these cards work wonderfully with Mysterio. Like literally max value with Mysterio. 
with Bishop and with Angela. Like Cozy, Bishop and Angela both got nerfed. And now they're back. And I'm telling you, I'm getting Bishop to like 311. Angela's like a three, uh, 210, sorry. Like it's wild what's happening. Yeah, and it's because of that, because of that, this is not a recommendation of a buy by any stretch of the imagination, people. But I can tell you, I have one now, a good amount of, not just, uh, you know, the one and two, the eight cubers with Shadow King, who is the least played card in Snap at the moment. Least played card in Snap. But do keep in mind, he's going to have a heyday a little bit. He's going to have a little bit of a heyday, even if you happen to pull them and you're like, what am I going to do with this card? If you do play the Zabu Sarah version, you're looking at a two-cost Shadow King that deletes everything out there right now. Sunspot, Shuri, Angela, Bishop, Wolfsbane. They're all going back to their original cost. It's it, Kitty. It's very, very, very situational. But it's nice for him because of how much is out there right now in the meta. And I think Shadow King is actually somewhat playable in a control-style deck. Is there always a better play? Yeah, for the most part. But on turn six in your miracle craziness, it's not bad. You know how bad it feels when someone puts an Angela and Bishop together, man, and you just wipe it to zero and one? It's, 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 they, the whole game plan was around those cards. Wolfsbane now is my next pick of a card because uh, if you notice, Mojo, cards that have a lot of other cards and benefit off that, right, are the ones you want to play. Wolfsbane, super popular at the moment because you have all the Mysterios and you're going to get the big 3-7 value out of it most of the time. And so I do have Wolfsbane in there. But yeah, Shadow King, Wolfsbane, those are, those are my main ones. All right, Cozy, one that I'm going to bring up here, which I think is a really kind of emerging one, and we've actually talked about in the past how it's kind of coming back into the meta, specifically with the nerf, to the Space Stone, and that is Storm. I am so happy that Storm is coming back because not only is it location control, which honestly, I think a lot of people are sleeping on. I haven't seen more Scarlet Witch, honestly. I haven't seen more Scarlet Witch. But Storm is back, and that's great because one thing Hitmonkey needs and all these combo-centric decks need is they need space. And if you uh, kind of take that space away from them and you constrict their ability to play, they can't run up those uh, those hit monkeys as high as they might want to. Yeah, you have to have space with that deck, especially if the, typically those decks are committing early, like you have the Angela, whatever out there. And then if you, you go storm another lane, like they're they're done. They're falling out of that. They, they can't do much. Or you storm the Angela lane and they're like, I have to play on here quickly. I love the storm pick. Uh, it, just limiting space in general. That's why debris, uh, you're going to counter Galactus and you're going to get rid of more space. Another card I love. Even the Green Goblin, man. I mean, that's another card. You're taking up that valuable card space that they have to have to get their hit monkey rolling and dealing, right? So I do think these lane control cards like Professor X and Storm and or the Junk is going to be pretty good. Viper Hood. These are the ones that should be on the rise as I do think that these Hitmonkey decks are going to be flying freaking everywhere, man. Yeah, they will be flying everywhere and rightfully so. It's a fantastic card, but it's not overpowered because as we've just discussed, we've got answers for them. They're in your decks and my friends, I am going to tell you right now that this is a very exciting time to be playing Marvel Snap. We're on the cusp of potentially a massive change to the meta within the next couple weeks. We've got new card drops coming. You know we're going to cover it on the Snapchat as well. And Cozy, there's no one else I'd rather talk to about Marvel Snap than you, my friend. Oh, man. Appreciate it. Love it here. Love it here. Love talking. Excited for what the weeks are to come. And uh, it was fun to go off the rails a little bit on some of our topics today. It was, it was a great conversation. Guys, thank you for coming to yet another episode of the Snapchat. Alex, I want to thank you for coming and being 
the co-host over here and enjoying uh, as we talked about the Hitmonkey combos and we go into the next week. I think we uh, are going to see a lot of change next week, hopefully. You guys have a great one. Have a good one. And until the next one, happy snapping.